Alright. Ready when you are, I guess. Okay. Sounds good. Just let it rip. Hello and welcome back to Premier League on Tap, your EPL Draft Fantasy Podcast. Bet you'd never hear those words again, Zach. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. Um, but honestly, it's, uh, it's it's worth it. We were able to kind of bide our time, get our website up and going, and uh, you know, for the listeners listening today, get some rankings, uh, at least up to pick number 50, that is. Yeah, should cover you for the first, what, four rounds? After that, it's pretty much a crapshoot anyway. Yeah, that's, I mean, I know a lot of people have lots of sleepers and, you know, people they're planting their flags on this year, but ultimately, you know, until you do the rankings, um, you, you, you quickly realize that it falls apart after 48. And, uh, <laughs> you know, there we, we can go ahead and we can rank all those guys, but there's a lot more of... Uh, how do you say vibes checking after uh, after forty eight? So I'd say yeah. that you know the first forty eight I think are ones that most of us can kind of agree on. And so when we can look at oh you're plus three on this guy or plus four on that guy, I think that means a whole lot more than if I've got a guy at one hundred and twenty and you've got him at one hundred and fifty. Yeah, the the difference there between fifth and seventh round really isn't that crazy no, um, and then obviously no. you're just punting after round 10 absolutely so let's uh i mean you said that you have a draft you're already in the process of a draft right yeah so um i'm in a dynasty league the matrix dynasty league we've got 12 very active owners actually 14 technically because there's two co-owners uh, for two teams gotcha. but um, yeah, we started drafting Friday, and we're doing a slow draft because we've got four or five different time zones. Uh, but it's turned out very interesting. Uh, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, something that I enjoy because I typically like to kind of draft guys for the future, um, mm-hmm. and you know, as I say, draft for upside. So uh, I like to always target young guys, and so now it's interesting to see other people kind of looking. At those same young guys I'm at, um, but maybe, you know, a little bit earlier in their careers. And it's, yeah, it's it's some great insight. I think everyone, if, if they haven't tried a Dynasty League, um, should give it a go if they can find find the right managers. But I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, you definitely have to have buy-in from at least, I mean, you want to be in at least a 10-man league there. So you're, you're looking for at least nine other people that are really dialed in. But that's hard to come by sometimes yeah for sure um i actually myself just lost my home league this year because our commissioner uh just getting too busy and then he tried to pass it off to me but shit i'm so busy i can barely do a podcast episode so i uh respectfully declined and no one else was willing to so we just decided to go our separate ways so now i'm just all in on the community league and uh the genie league so it should be uh pretty fun this season actually uh, my draft starts Tuesday. It'll be a slow draft, um, and I've got the fourth pick, so I'm happy about that. I know I'm at least getting a top tier talent. But let's say we kick off the, our ranking with the first six. 
Um, we'll kind of break the, f the round one into the top six and then the bottom six, and then we'll kind of just go round by round after that. How's that sound? Sounds perfect. All right. So first round, uh, actually just looking at what we've got here for the top six, it looks like we're pretty dialed in on where we're taking people. Um, one or two spots moved, but we have the same six, just in a little different order. Um, so I've got Bruno Fernandez number one overall. Um, I just think that the midfielders give a little bit more uh, upside to the forwards. Um, they're a little less goal dependent. So I that's kind of how I got to ranking Fernandez above Holland. Um, so Holland comes in at number Bruno two. Has more upside than Holland? I guess upside's the wrong word. I think it's more stability. Um, okay. Holland's got the more upside because I mean, shit, he could score five goals in a game, um, and then you're, I mean, he could drop sixty points on somebody. Fernandez could too, but those are going to be very few and far between. Um, but I think the like boomer bust potential with Holland, like we've seen it right. last year a little bit. There were a couple games where he scored in single digits. If he doesn't score a goal or get an assist, his ghost points weren't tremendous. Whereas Fernandez, he's pretty much the go-to guy at United, pretty much all corners and sets, um, penalties. So, I mean, that's kind of how I got him above Holland, but uh, it looks like, Number three, we're in agreement here. Um, some people might think this is a little strange, but we've got Bakayo Saka. Um, and then I've got Trent at four, Salah at five, and De Bruyne at six. Um, so I, I don't really know how I put these guys where, but I think Trent's due for a comeback season um, being the number one overall defender by a long shot um and then Saka I think is just the main man in Arsenal he's guaranteed to start almost every game we didn't see hardly any rotation from Arteta last season that could change with Champions League but it remains to be seen as long as he stays healthy I think he's a shoo-in for a top five finish um Salah, I put him at five, even though I am expecting some regression from him this season. He also has the AFCON, so he'll be away for a couple games. Egypt usually go pretty far in that, so maybe four, five, six games, depending on the schedule. Um, and then De Bruyne, I know there's been some talk about him sliding in drafts because he's injured and he's getting older. Until I see it, he's still the best midfielder in the entire Premier League. So Agreed. you can't fault Agreed. that. Yeah. Um, so that's where I land on those six. What say you? Yeah, so I think, I mean, we're really in lockstep here, shockingly. And and for the, the people at home listening, we didn't. We didn't look at either of our rankings before we put these together. We're look we're looking at these together for uh, the first time in fifteen minutes mm -hmm. or so. So, you know, it's pretty crazy that we agreed on these, and I think that should maybe give people more confidence that um, either we have no idea what we're talking about, or we're we have a complete idea what we're talking about. But either way, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. I, I guess I'll start with the latter one that we just discussed and, and KDB versus Salah because I, 
I mean, again, it's it's minutia here. We're we're debating one one spot, and it's not like, you know, <laughs> it's not like you're probably gonna have a choice if you're at mm-hmm. this, you know, five or six spot really of who you're gonna get. But uh, I think just like you mentioned, Salah's got Afcon. I think most reasonable people expect some regression. Um, hopefully, he still takes penalty kicks. You know, um, I always like that out of my first round pick if they take penalties. Um, and I just think, you know, the the archetype of a winger, you know, a pacey winger, which is kind of you know, how Salah has been such a, you know, standard first-round pick for everyone, has, has been surrounding just that athleticism. Obviously, you need to be, you know, a good finisher and good technically, but I think all these players in the first round are. Um, I think you need to have that something extra, and I'm just a little worried he might be losing some of that. On top mm-hmm. of that, he's also losing volume and opportunity. So, um, in that, I think there's much more surrounding talent. I think you've got young talents like Cody Gakpo, like Darwin Nunez. You've got Sobasai coming in. Uh, we could see the midfield pull more of the strings, whereas before it kind of seemed like Mohamed Salah and Trent on the right side would just continue to cook all game long. Teams kind of uh, warmed up to that. So, you know, I just think I have a little caution with him this year, but not enough where I'm dropping him out of like my top 10 um, or, you know, putting someone like Gabby Jesus ahead of him yet, just because we haven't quite fully seen it yet from him. Uh, so that, that that's mm-hmm. kind of my reasoning between those two. I just think KDB is still the player we think he is. Uh, he's an attacking mid. He really doesn't need, you know, just like I discussed with Salah, that kind of that pace and that just that extra ability. KDB gets that through his vision, through his passing, through his shooting. None of those things are things he's losing. So I'm not yeah. worried about that. If he starts getting injured for long periods of time, then that's another thing. I know, you know, he's kind of always had some injuries. Um, but we we hear that he's supposed to be back um, around the first game. Maybe he misses the first or the second, but he should be back within the first couple weeks, hopefully. So... Uh, I'm not moving him down too much because of that. If he were fully healthy, he could likely be going ahead of Trent and maybe even ahead of Saka. Uh, but I just think Saka has that more upside like we, we clearly both agree on. Yeah. Yeah, the like top six right now, I don't think anybody can really dispute those six players. Well, m- some people are disputing De Bruyne, but <laughs> I, I think those six are likely to be your top six they could be interchangeable at certain points but in your draft you're likely to see those six guys go first um now the monkey wrench that still is on to be decided um apparently there's supposed to be talks tomorrow between harry kane spurs and Bayern. um maybe we get a little bit more clarity on that but if harry kane stays he gets lodged right into that top six um you could probably take him anywhere there is some worry that he could leave in january but i i doubt it i don't i think if anything um his options open up more in january he can sign a pre-contract with any team outside of the premier league but he might just run that out to then sign with anybody in the Premier League. So I say if he stays, he firmly jumps into that top three. Um, you're probably looking at Fernandez, Holland, Kane, 
in any order, really. Um, but that's my two cents on it. It sucks for anybody drafting before that. Uh, I'm hoping everything uh, gets wrapped up tomorrow. I doubt it. So I'm going to be going in on my draft on Tuesday with the fourth pick. Yeah. Huge, huge Harry Kane fan. Likely staying away from him. Um, and someone could get extremely lucky in the late second, early third round. Um, or unlucky. Yeah, that's, yeah, that too. Um, Hate to be that but guy. with with the slow drafts, you never know. It could take two, three days to get into that third round, and yeah. then something's been solidified. He either yeah. gets yeah, you'll see people take next an extra o- like, long right on away. their third and fourth round yeah. picks. Yeah, just just maybe oh, in yeah. the next twelve hours, while I can make this <laughs> things clear themselves up, and I can take him. I exactly. I I could see a scenario like that happening, and that would be that would be hilarious. Oh, it'd be so frustrating. <laughs> Unless you can. I mean, I have a draft. I have a draft. Yeah, that's true. I have a draft starting Thursday after we did our, or we're currently doing our draft picks based on we had to like guess the number of goals scored in the women's World Cup group stage. Yeah. Um, so whoever wins that, I guess we're like picking our own spot if we're closest to, and then it kind of just trickles down from there. Is this in Genie Leagues? Yep. Okay. So that'll be interesting. And actually, Jeannie's in my league, so that'll be fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, so let's jump into our bottom six. This is where we start to see some real um, deviations in our picks, just from glancing at this. Um, at the sixth spot, I've got Rashford, um, Seven, Jesus. I think those two are kind of interchangeable in my mind. You mean um, seven, seven, and eight? Not six, seven. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Seven and eight. Uh, Rashford and Jesus. Yeah. And then nine, I'm pretty big on James Madison this season. Uh, I think he's going to take over a lot of the set pieces at Spurs. Um, if Harry Kane stays, I think that boosts Madison. If he leaves, I don't think it hurts him that much. I think he's still able to create no matter who's in front of him, um, and he'll get his opportunities. This team should be... Uh, very attacking. I've not really seen a whole lot of preseason, just the uh, highlights. Um, Their games are at like four in the morning because they're in Australia, or they were in Australia for one or two of them. But, uh, I mean, they had 30 shots against West Ham and lost, so they they will get opportunities. Um, After Madison, uh, it's kind of just midfielder heavy jack Grealish, odegaard martinelli i it's really hard to pick these six spots because any one of these players could go in any one of these spots so i mean between Grealish at 10 odegaard at 11 martinelli at 12 you could take martinelli at 10 odegaard at 12 even a little later maybe Grealish at 11 you could take Grealish at eight like these spots are so interchangeable. All these guys are going to give you good returns as long as they stay healthy. Yeah, I'm just looking at these now, and it's definitely. I, I know I'm low on Odegaard. I I, I certainly intended to be. Um, we'll get to him. I'm actually not even. I don't even have him in the top twelve. Um, I probably should should bring him up a little bit, but I just think uh, I just think that Arsenal team kind of has. 
kind of like Liverpool really has has too many guys going in these these top you know 20 picks or so that mm-hmm. it you know you, you really have to ask yourself like okay one of these guys can't can't be as good as we think he's gonna be and I'm not saying it's got to be one of them even it doesn't mean that you know Martin Odegaard has to f- finish outside the top 30 in order for the rest of them to reach success but it definitely feels like they all kind of, if they're in the same, if they're in the same lineup, I just don't see how we can bank on having Gabriel Martinelli, Gabriel Jesus, and Odegaard all in the top twelve. I mean, someone's gotta, someone's gotta get downgraded, or all of them really have to get downgraded a little bit. So yeah, that's, that's kind of my true. logic there. Um, but I understand, you know, I I have Odegaard at seventeen, so that's. It's certainly a bit low, but when I look at who's above him, I don't think I want to move him more than two or three picks, really maximum. Because like, you know, I look at, I look at players like Jack Relish, who you know has the ability to, you know, really control that city midfield in the absence of De Bruyne. Um, he should mm-hmm. be a frequently used outlet, and he showed chemistry with Holland last year. He gets plenty of touches on the ball. He if you if you play in a league with fouls, even better. Um, oh yeah, plenty of successful dribbles. He just he just he looks like he's kind of clicking right now, and I feel like you're buying in at just the right time. Um, so you know he he's one that feels pretty safe, and and like you were saying, that that group really could be pretty interchangeable with him, with Madison, with Martinelli. Um, they're all just the cut below the top guys, but any of them on their day have the ability to finish within the top three, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so run us through your seven through 12 then, because I know we've talked a little yeah. bit about how we can move these guys up and down, but I know yeah. you've got a little bit of an outlier in there. Yeah, outlier, maybe two. Um, but I've got going from seven to 12, I've got Gabby Jesus, Jack Relish, Darwin Nunez, Christopher Nkunku, James Madison, and Phil Foden. Um, you know, I, I it kind of gets to the point here where you know you're at the back end of the first round. Um, I'll always advocate get your guys, do what you need to get your guys. Uh, and honestly, this year Darwin Nunez and Nkunku, I think, are gonna be two of my guys where Darwin Nunez coming off the back of what people feel was a disappointing season I think he only got nine or ten goals but I mean you know he got he had injuries throughout the year and it just didn't quite feel like he settled in maybe you know he's learning English and you know maybe maybe he's undergoing any of the reasonable growing pains that we always discuss with new transfers Mm-hmm. We shouldn't still be penalizing him for that now in the second year. We have to rank him higher than we should have in hindsight. In hindsight, last year he probably should have been like a third, fourth round pick, but people were just a little bit overconfident and and drafted him too high, got burned, and now we're too low on him. I think I don't I don't think he can be at what do people have met right now? Um, twenty mean like twenty five, twenty six. In that range, I think that's too low. He's got to be. He's got to be. If you're not taking him in the first round, I think he's got to go by mid second round. Um, now I know the hesitation with him is Gakpo, potentially taking a spot, but 
frankly, I think he offers something that no one else on that team has in his high speed and his ability mm-hmm. to score goals. Well, they all have that, but his size <laughs> and speed are are his main, you know, two things. So, if if that clicks, like we we you can look back and you can see, you know, Timo Werner esque kind of scenarios from him where he missed pretty open goals, but you can also see some great goals in there that you didn't see from guys like Timo Werner. So, mm-hmm. uh, I have faith in him. I'm putting it forward. That's one of my kind of drafting for upside flag plants, I'd say. And then the next one in Christopher Nkunku, um, he feels like, you know, I had Holland as a generational talent last year, and I'm not going to use that. I'm not going to use that <laughs> term lightly. I, I don't quite think Nkunku's there, but he's young. He's developing. He's, I feel like he has a role in that team immediately. And mm-hmm he seems to offer something on all sides of the ball. Now it almost feels like with him, he's kind of a guy who you don't quite know what his, you know, what, like, like with Darwin, like what I just described, his size and speed. Those are his things. And Kunku, I mean, he's fast. He's good at finishing, but you know, what is it that he offers? I think he just offers a lot of everything and the ability to just get on the ball at all times. Um, yeah, I know his creative play might need some work, but, um, you know he's gonna fit right in that Chelsea team. He's gonna kind of pick up the tempo. He's gonna he's gonna take set pieces most likely, and he also probably takes um, you know a corner or two per game. And I think he'll take penalties. Um, so in what I think is gonna be a highly positively regressing Chelsea team, uh, I want the guy who's gonna get the most goals on that team. And for what it's worth, I believe he's top six in goal scoring odds via most sports books. Huh. I did not know that. Yeah. But I do think you're right in the fact that he's probably going to be that like talisman player for Chelsea this season. It looks like he's already linking up well with Jackson. We'll see if that's the strike partnership that Pochettino goes with. Yeah. But I like I don't think Sterling's the guy. I don't, just don't think he has that personality or like it factor to be the main man. Um, no, no, and that's that's kind of what Chelsea need is just like a person to lean on, and I think Nkuku is going to be that guy. Uh, yeah, I mean he's got he's got twenty goal potential, I think, in in any yeah. season. And like I said, sports books have it; they have a real coach. I'm throwing away last year for Chelsea. Honestly, it's the worst finish ever. They're never going to mm-hmm. do that badly for like at least another twenty years. Um, and people, if people are going to judge him based on that. You know, I'll, I'll run to the bank right now, um, and you'll see that with my rankings, and it kind of looks like your rankings as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after that, I got Madison and Foden, who go into that kind of category of of you know dynamic midfielder with definitely plenty of upside in their teams, but just don't quite have you know that stranglehold that that some of the players above them have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh... I'm also pretty high on Darwin Nunez. I don't see him going in the first round. He could sneak in at like 12. Um, but as far as the start of the second round, I've got Sun and Darwin. Um, again, my rankings are like, I probably won't even use my own rankings when it comes to drafting because I'm, I'm not a big planner for draft day. I know some people like love it. They dive into stats. They do this, they do that. Your draft can be absolutely ruined after the first six picks. Like if you're 
hellbent on this guy is going to fall to me. You have no idea what anybody else in your league is going to do. So when it comes to drafting in the first round, that is where I kind of plan like, okay, if I'm sitting at four this year, then I'm banking on either taking Saka or Trent because I know one of them is going to land to me because I, I can almost guarantee you someone's going to take Salah in the top three. De Bruyne could go in the top three, but one of those two guys is going to fall to me. Depending on who I get changes everything I do in the second round. Yeah, I don't I know if you draft like that too. That's a good way of thinking about it. Um, I I also don't I don't think I agree with the like you you can't win your draft, but you can lose your draft. Like I, I think you only really lose your draft if you just like kind of completely suck it. But um, yeah, you know I think there's like I mean, you're saying there's so many ways you can go about it. And, yeah, you don't want to lock yourself in a strategy. Like, oh, i got to get it forward in round one, and then I'm going to get a mid in the next round. Mm-hmm. That doesn't work. Um, I, I would say I'm probably loosely drafting off these ranks, but you're right in that. that Like, I have Darwin Nunez right here at nine. That might change. Who knows? But he might go down. I don't think he's going to go past, like, 14 or 15. But um, mm-hmm. that could change someday. But I, I'm playing kind of my rankings versus ADP and I'm really probably going to take like say I have say I have a guy at 30 and 31 but their ADPs are just drastically different during the draft I'm going to take the guy with the higher ADP and hope the other guy falls you know so Mm -hmm. that's where like your ranks versus ADPs matter and I think yeah like you said after the first round like you don't know what people are going to do, what positions they're going to take, what runs are going to happen with forwards versus mids. And there comes a certain point where like you want to get your guys and you don't want to have to think twice about it. So, And you made a very good point too is you can lose your draft if you go by the fan tracks ADP because they will have a lot of guys that don't score well that are really highly ranked based on like name recognition. And so it's like, okay, you want to get into whether it be our ranks or the draft society or uh, the war rankings at overthinking football, like get the perspective of people that are actually like playing the game year in and year out. Don't just go through ADP because I've seen mock drafts. I was in a few of them this season and I probably will never be in another one again because I just saw some ridiculous drafting going on and I was like, this is just not... Like, I'm trying to see what a draft is really going to end up like. People are taking yeah. Rashford one overall. That's just not going to happen. So Nor should it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't happen. But then, like you said, like if you have two guys right next to each other at, like, lo- low 20s, like 28, 29, maybe 30, and one of them has an ADP of, like, 50-something, your, the other people in your draft might be drafting off of ADP or don't have him as highly ranked. So you want to take the guy with the higher ADP and hopefully you get him on the swing or something, mm-hmm. like the second guy you're looking at, which is a good point. Yeah, totally. Um, if you can employ that, it, it's really hard to do in the moment, especially if you like have if you have a guy like three spots ahead in your rankings, but um, the ADP is urging you to pick the guy that you have lower in your rankings. That's really hard to do, um, but it can pay off big time if it works. Um, so really you just have to assess like, okay, if I lose this guy because someone else has similar rankings to me, am I okay with that? 
usually the answer is no. But, you know, if you can <laughs> talk yourself into another option in the event it doesn't work out and you're like, okay, if it happens, I'm not quite as happy with the guy that I would get second, but it's enough to warrant the risk. That's that's how I like to think about it. If, if you not drafting that first guy in the first place is going to wreck the rest of your draft, then don't do it. Just take the guy and, and you mm-hmm. know, roll with your rankings, pick a little bit early. But at the end of the day, you'll be able to sleep. Because I've definitely yeah. had some of those where I've kind of risked it for the biscuit and doesn't work out. And it's like, man, I should have just taken that guy. Yeah. I, and I just have to put in the, like, asterisk of, I think the average number of players that I end a season with that I drafted in the very beginning of the season is, like, two. I two. change my team wow. so often throughout the season i am cutthroat with my roster i drafted harry kane and brian and last year and those are the only two players that stayed on my roster i drafted chillwell i drafted uh james ward prouse um trying to think of who else i took in like the third fourth round but i mean as soon as i see like, okay, this guy's just not going to live up to round two potential. He still has, like, a shot to, but I don't personally think he's going to do it this season. Yeah, I immediately try to move him enough. off for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, that is in that round two category. So I moved both of those guys for a deal for, like, De Bruyne, Grealish, and one other person for Chilwell. I, like, gave them my picks two through round two through five. I gave them all of them for Grealish and De Bruyne, and hmm. it worked out. I mean, but anyway, we got to get back into our ranks. This is going to take forever. We can talk all day about <laughs> yeah, draft strategy. Say, speaking <laughs> of round two, let's uh, maybe get um, on to that. Yeah, so again, Sun Nunez to start round two. Um, I've got Kulisevsky really high. I just rank all of the attackers for Tottenham really high this season because they're going to have to out... Oh, sorry. Well, that... That, but they're playing a way that they're just going to have to outscore people. Um, their defense has not been upgraded yet this season, which is extremely frustrating. But mm-hmm. I don't think it's really going to matter because of this new style of play that Ange is going to have them playing. Oh where it, they're going to give up goals. It just is what it is. But they're going to get their opportunities, whether they can take them or not. They're going to win games 4-2, to 5-3. to three. I'm hoping win, but... Uh, we could see a very uh, different side than we're used to seeing of the low block encounter, which is fucking boring. But Kulisevsky in there. Um, I've also got Nkunku um, at 16. I know you've got him higher, but um, I do think he's going to be easily in the first I don't know, 16 picks, 17 picks. He's going to be gone. Um, I have Foden after him, but this is where things get a little muddy for me. It's like the middle of round two is... There's a a little bit of a dead zone there, and then it picks up again at the end of round three, beginning of round four. I think think once you get to the middle of round two, you're looking at a lot of third-round players. Yeah. That you are really conscious of, like, shit, do I really want to take this guy higher than round three? And then you're like, all right, twist my arm, make mm-hmm. a case for it. 
Um, That's assuming but, people drafted alongside our rankings as opposed to ADPs. Because I do feel like if you correct. get, if you're able to get that, that I think the sweet spot might really be like pick number three this year. If you're able to get that, usually you're able to get some guy like I really love Isak this year. Um, mm-hmm. I've got him at 14. If you can get him like at the back end of round two, and mm-hmm. then follow that up with you know someone like maybe a Reese James or uh, even like a Kaoru Matoma, like that would be awesome. But yep, and that I, I more more so this year than years past. I think drafting in the first like five is really going to be beneficial because, like I said, once that turn happens at the end of the second round, you're kind of picking from a bunch of third round players. Mm-hmm. And if someone reaches before you, then one of those guys falls to you, and you can you can just be really set up well. You could get a set and forget defender, midfield, forward right away if you wanted to, or at least like two forwards and a mid, or two mids and a forward. However you want to do it, but you're gonna have three guys with some serious output. Um, mm-hmm. But after. What did I say? Foden? Yeah. Um, I've got Matoma and then Trippier, and it's actually pretty funny that we both have Trippier at the same spot. Um, yeah. Tommy, I know we, people didn't, are, we didn't plan this, but... No. Uh, I know people are thinking he's going to be going at 7 or 8 um, right after most Trent. sharp but... people nowadays are kind of seeing seeing that, you know, Kieran Trippier, I think, turns 33 in September is probably not a winning bet in the first round. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to get the value on him, you know, late in the second, then I, I can see it. But it just, I, I don't see that happening in most drafts. There's going to be somebody that's, that, you know, just like, ooh, he scored last year. We're pretty well. I'm going to take him. You know, because mm-hmm. they don't show ages in fan tracks, which uh, <laughs> fan tracks is listening, please do that. Um, yeah. and, and I just think that kind of works in his favor really um i I think he's a trap this year he he Mm -hmm. i I don't expect them to underperform but i think he has a higher likelihood than most guys around him to underperform yeah um after him i've got harry kane i just put him in here because at the end of the second early third it's about that point where you kind of just take a risk on him um but but if you're drafting if you're yeah, if you're drafting post news of what he's doing, then this is irrelevant. Um, yeah, you could be listening to this podcast and he's already gone to Bayern, in which case, don't draft him. Yeah, and uh, and if you do, um, better hope that the paperwork pulls a, a ZX or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's like I mean, God rest your soul. I don't know, your just, season's over already. Like, you can lose the draft fast. if you draft Harry Kane and he's not past, in the league. Uh, I wouldn't put it past uh, Levy's Levy to send the wrong paperwork four times. Like, <laughs> oh no, we have to keep him now. Shit, <laughs> dang it! Uh, to there, round there. off the end of the second, I've got a bunch of forwards. Uh, I've got Diaz, Isaac, or Isak. Um, Eze sneaks in there, and then Ali Watkins. Um, and like I said, those guys. It's. It's late round two. If you can get him an early round three, even better. Um, I'm just not 
I don't really like picks like 20 through 26. They just, any of those guys could go anywhere for me. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's a lot of, it's a mix of guys, really. I mean, you've got, I think, Solly March, who's just being judged based on one season, it feels like. Uh, you've got Eze, who's probably boosted a bit from losing his you know, teammate in Elise uh, for mm-hmm. some time. But once he's back, I don't think Eze would warrant such a pick. Um, you've got just kind of some indecision with Darwin Nunez and Gakpo. I'm, I'm referring to ADPs, that is, right now. Um, yeah. You know, and I think someone like Gakpo would probably be my selection amongst this bunch. Just his ability to kind of break out of this and, you know, maybe overtakes Diaz or finds, you know, something. Maybe they switch to a 4-2-3-1 within that Liverpool squad because we're all assuming they go with the 3-2-2-3 formation that's so popular right now. But that doesn't mean they have to do that the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, this is this is kind of a dead zone, if, if I'm being honest. Um, so navigate with caution. But that's kind of why... I'm willing to place someone like Reese James at 22 in my rankings because I'm just like, I've got a lot of questions about these guys, but I at least don't have questions about him when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and right now, I know, I think he might be like nursing a minor, minor injury, but he's been playing. So When isn't he? Uh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> he, he he's one of those he's one of those guys it's not for the for the faint of for the faint of heart but um you know i i just think like after after i've passed the the odegaard i actually think matoma probably you know is in the sure bet category for me um and maybe gakpo but like ali watkins like I don't know if I buy into him being a top tier striker that warrants that second round pick. Like I could see him flopping. Bowen, we've seen kind of teeter totter in and out of that category. Luis Diaz, like you know, we've seen even like some transfer rumors this summer. Like he's got no guaranteed spot in that team. There's there's just a lot of question marks. Um, but one one that I see is you know you you've got Kulosevsky up at fifteen. Um, I'm already ahead of consensus at 29, but I'm just interested, like, why, like, are you just being inculcated by, you know, Ange the Redeemer right now, or is this, is, do you think he really has the ability to be a midfielder one week in, week out? I think he does, as long as he stays healthy. Um, that's, I mean, that's the caveat with any player, but, um, I just think that I know we talked about a little bit about the Arsenal squad. It's really hard to have four of those players in the top 12, but I mean, if Kane stays, I've got four Tottenham players in the first 15. Um, But I think that there is enough production from that team just with, it doesn't even need to be about goals scored. I just think that there's going to be enough action in front of goal and he's not very uh attacking return dependent i know we saw that um when his january transfer was a season or so ago um he had an amazing end of the campaign to get them into the champions league um, and he was pretty much their entire creative output 
Um, I think with the way that the formation's going to end up playing, we're going to see him moving into the midfield a little bit more. So he's going to be playing right on the <clears throat> excuse me edge of the box um, with Poro probably overlapping him um, at some points. Um, but I just think that he will finally get the uh, the leash taken off and he can go out there and just create. Um, and I think that a lot of the guys are just going to be relishing the opportunity to go out there and play attacking football, which they haven't done for some time. Um, and I think he, more than Kane, more than Son, fits this system and how Ange wants to play uh, to a T. So that's why I'm so high on him. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can move on to round three, but, you know, what kind of guys do you have in that round that you think are, do you, you think have the capability to really push past their ADP with any type of significance? Because my short list is, is just that, very short. Yeah. Um, I mean, looking at this, I, I'm, it's weird. I'm not, I'm more so looking at players and I'm like, who wouldn't I take in this round versus, oh, I would love to take this guy in this round. Like I'm looking at guys like Sally March, Pascal Gross. I, I think there is some Brighton regression coming in this season. There has um, to be. They're just as they have, be. they've got European football. Um, people are going to slowly get used to Deserby ball. So they've seen it. They kind of know how to play against it a little bit. Um, McAllister's gone. So I'm not saying they won't score well. It's just I think I would be better off suited taking somebody with a little bit higher upside. Um, I feel like I'm gambling a little bit with the Brighton assets in the third round. And then even though I have Jared Bowen at 29, I probably wouldn't draft him until the fourth round. Uh, I just I don't like West Ham this season. Um, losing Rice and then not making a single transfer doesn't scream success. <laughs> you lose your best player uh, yeah. who probably single-handedly kept you in the Premier League uh, with his defensive output. Uh, and it was a team that was finding it really hard to score goals. So Jared Bowen, um, Paqueta, I would rather draft them in like the fourth round, even though I have them ranked in the third um just because they're better than the rest really it is correct what it is that's what it, what it was down to. yeah that's interesting it's more so that... the fact that like bowen stays healthy and he plays pretty much a full season right and he might miss two three games but he's a lot um, to finish top 24 really if he if he stays healthy yeah but i mean i've got guys like dwight mcneil morgan gibbs white like they are the creative assets for their individual teams so that's why they rank higher um they're i mean those teams aren't going to score very well either like i mean total goals um not fantasy output but um like if something good comes for everton or forest then those two guys are probably at the center of it uh, we saw what mcneil did uh, in the latter half of the season last year and then uh, um, I've got Zabazlai at 30, Reese James at 31, Mbwemu 
Paqueta, and then I've got Gakpo at 34 just because I think wow. he might be, if he doesn't start on like the left wing, I think he might be the odd man out in that scenario unless he plays like sort of a second striker position behind Nunez. But I don't right. think he's going to get into that front three really. No, um, probably not. Um, you know, there could always be injury, right? If anyone gets injured, he mm-hmm. probably finds his way in that squad. Um, it's just, I just feel like Nunez is going to get that spot over him. Not because of preseason. I know people like to say, don't rate preseason. You know, it's not as big a deal as you think. It's just, when you watch Darwin Nunez play, he has something that Gakpo does. And Gakpo has the size, sure, but he doesn't really use it the same way that Nunez does. And when mm-hmm. he gets a full head of steam, Nunez is getting getting to the goal. So I just think there's just a wider gap there than ADP might have, have people think. Um, I, I don't dis- fully disagree with that one. I, I do think there comes a point where you kind of have to take Gakpo because this tier, to me, really feels like okay, we've got, you know, at least a shred of, of individual talent from these guys um, who, you know, this is really, these are really players that have enough talent to take the massive opportunity shares that they have on their murky situations within teams that are either medium or negative. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of feels like think- what this dead zone is. I think where it comes into play for me, like if you're in the third round and you have the option between Gakpo, um, let's say Bowen, mm, kind of those two for now, or maybe even Reese James. I would just say like Reese James' injury history scares me a little bit. Bowen, I'm taking the player from the team I know is going to produce more. Even if Gakpo gets five less starts than Bowen, because I've seen Bowen put up two points. I've seen Bowen put up 0.5 points in a game when he's played 90 minutes. Whereas mm-hmm. Gakpo, if he gets 90 minutes, Liverpool are likely to score goals this season. Um, and I didn't say this at the beginning because I thought it would be too like con- contradicting my own thought process but Salah at five six wherever the hell he had him I think Salah finishes third in scoring in his own team I think Trent is the top scorer and I think Nunez is the second highest scorer this season and Salah will finish third so you think that or you think that's a hot like hot takes I know we'll we'll often toss out there and say Darwin Nunez is the top scorer from his team. It's really me just saying I think there's a 25% chance that it happens. You actually think that he will be the third. Like you think yeah. the odds of that are 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 very high. I think it is I would say if he's not second in scoring, he's a very close third. Him and Salah will pretty be pretty much be within Mm-hmm. I don't know, 25 points of each other come the end of the season? Right. Yeah, I kind of think so too, and <laughs> my rankings reflect that. Um, yeah. Thankfully, you don't have to draft him, J- Darwin, as such. Um, yeah. Who we really need to stop talking about because he's, I should just name this the Darwin Nunez fan club. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I I think that. I think that there's a lot of points to go around this Liverpool team this year, and it might just mean some come away from Salah. Um, but I, mm-hmm. but I kind of think that that if you're gonna take, if you're gonna take one of these guys, like I'd rather have a Gakpo over a Morgan Gibbs White or maybe a Dwight McNeil, just because I, I know he. We've seen enough. He's talented. He came in in January, so we don't. You know he got a, he's getting a full preseason here to kind of get vetted into the system. Um, he might not start right away, which is the concern, obviously. But if we knew he was starting right away, we wouldn't be taking him at you know twenty seven or wherever he's going right now. Mm-hmm. We would we would probably be taking him in the mid second round. Yeah. Um, to finish off this third round uh, after Gakpo, I've got Sterling and Luke Shaw. I think. End of third, beginning of fourth round is when you start to see a lot of the defenders start going. I would be hesitant to take any of the defenders after Trent and Trippier in the third round. Um, I'd kind of let those guys slide into the fourth for me. I'm I'm okay passing up Reese James or Ben Chilwell or even Pedro Porro if that means I can land uh, like a, a Stupignan or... Pinnock in the fourth. Yeah, I I think I'd probably go a little earlier on, like I said, Reese James, probably Luke Shaw as well. I think people still have some burns from him kind of last year, it's at least at the beginning of the season, not getting all the starts. But he, you know, he gets a good amount of set pieces and he, for the most part, stays healthy within what is now a top four team. Um, and, and he really mm-hmm. had a stellar year. So I think he has really no reason to be going too much further down the board than Reese James is. And similar probably for me, I actually have Luke Shaw and Ben Chilwell back to back at 26 and 27. Um, I'm not really worried about someone taking Chilwell's spot. He looks like he's in great shape. He's back to, full health and we have to assume that until we see otherwise because we aren't injury experts though we like to think we are and (laughs) this should be a much better team this year so Mm -hmm. uh, he he should have have every chance to get forward uh get crosses in he you know he's not bad shooting in his own right so i just think those guys i'd rather have than the unknown tier uh now i hear your point about kulisevsky so i could see him maybe sliding over them but Guys like McNeil and March and Gibbs White, um, guys who have those large opportunities and those uncertain teams, I think I'd rather have the defenders before them. It's just when we get to players like, you know, like Sterling and Havertz, um, those mm-hmm. guys definitely have to go after some of the, the guys with the larger opportunity shares. Yeah. Um, why don't you run us through your list like fourth round into 50 yeah um so so let's we can wrap this up because fourth round i mean this is when the crap shoot really begins absolutely <laughs> absolutely these were done pretty hastily and these are going to change a ton i bet the the first three rounds probably won't be shifting more than a pick or two um mm-hmm. anytime soon but i've got uh 
what is this, 37 through 48. I've got Sterling, Havertz, Poro, Gross, Jolinton, Dallow, Van Dyke, Pinnock, Mourinho, Olise, Ferguson, and Mudrick. So you can kind of see this is this is kind of an amalgamation of punts. That I mean, punts as far as you're going to get in the fourth round. Um, and then a kind of a couple of sure things that are less exciting, but just kind of obligatorily have to go in this round, I think. Mm-hmm. Like like a Jolinton who who showed some flashes, but ultimately is probably going to be like a 10 or 11 point per game player. You've got Gross, who's getting old, and I'm not going to use his last name, but, uh, you know, the joke rides itself. I think he's just going to be more defensive this year. Pinnock, who's just your locked and loaded, like, defender one every week, but he's not going to give you a ton more than that. Same with, I kind of see him similar to Van Dyke, hence mm-hmm. why they're back-to-back. Um, glad I did that. That makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, Alex Moreno is the only one who has ability to go forward, I think, out of this tier by a big margin, but I've been worried about his injury. So that's kind of been holding him back. And then Olise, obviously, if I knew he was healthy, he'd be going, I'd be taking him probably around 12 to 15. Um, Mm -hmm. But his injury is unknown, so I'm not taking that risk in the first three rounds. Yeah, I agree. Um, My fourth round goes Poro, Jota, Mason Mount, Chilwell, Stupinan. I have Ben Rama in here, but I kind of want to just take him out. No, <laughs> like I, I, said, I like not, him. He, he's one. I'm of not high on West here. Ham, but um, and then Elise Pinnock. I have Pinnock and Tarkowski ahead of Van Dyke, purely based off the fact that um, they have more defensive actions in their games, so I think they ghost a lot better. Um, and then Iwobi. McAllister, and then Julian Alvarez kind of rounds that out because I think he's going to get more starts this season. Um, They're probably still trying to find someone to take Gunagun's place. I don't think it's going to be him, but if they have to shift, uh, like, let's say, Bernardo Silva into that role, um, then it would probably free up a spot for Alvarez. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I'm not a big City fan, so I haven't really watched any of their preseason of how they're lining up. But I think he is an absolute game changer when he does play, um, and he's worth rostering. Um, but then even just to give you a 49 and 50, I've got Van Dyke and Diego Dello. Like I said, this fourth, fifth round is where I start to take defenders. Um, so I have a bunch of them grouped up so that if a lot of them are already gone, I at least know who I can slot into that spot. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at ADPs now, and I'm seeing Ben Chilwell around 50 or so. That that feels like a bargain. Um, if oh you, yeah. If you can if you can grab him there. So if you're one of those guys that's you know risk averse to Reese and his injury history, obviously Chilwell's you know not perfect himself, but I think a lot of it stems from the same ACL injury that he had which he mm-hmm. seems to be over now. Um, he, he I think, could be one of the values right around that fourth, fifth round turn. Very able to snag him there because when I look around, besides, like you mentioned, Alvarez, I- I'm just seeing a lot of, of boring, you know, old center backs and CDMs. 
Ka- mm-hmm. you know, Callum Wilson, like how many years is he going to be relevant? Just like how Declan Rice is at 49 that before Chilwell yeah. blows my mind. I'm telling and you, before it's even like, how, how can, how can we have all these Arsenal assets in the top 50? Like <laughs> I can maybe get behind having two in the first round and like one in the second and maybe another in the third, but let's just like, we can't, we can't just put them all. We can't just put them all in the top 50. Like someone's gotta, someone's gotta take a back seat to this thing unless somehow, you know, Arteta gets them absolutely humming with getting Declan in the box or something. I don't see yeah. how he finishes that high, but yep. Hey, I've, you know, crazier things have happened, I guess. Well, that uh, that rounds out our fifty. Um, I'm I'm sure we could talk forever on who could go in what spot, who we think is higher or lower. Um, like you said earlier, these are probably going to change. We're going to put these on the site, so just we'll yeah, we're gonna we're gonna polish it out every time bit. we update it. Yeah. But uh, I got to put my kid to bed, so I got to get out of here. I draft on Tuesday, so all this shit could change by then, but I'll keep you guys updated. I finally started doing my draft prep on Friday, so I've been <laughs> completely hands-off this offseason. I apologize that I haven't been around very much, but uh, hopefully as things start rolling, um, you'll see some more from me on the Twitter sphere and on the website. Yeah, glad we could get these, these rankings out into the ether before most people start drafting sometime this week. Yep. Good luck, everybody. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Peace.